All right, welcome everybody to today's Seven Figures Club podcast episode. Today we have an amazing guest. We have Dr. Terry Levine, who is the founder of Heartrepreneur and is a business and executive coaching expert. She assists businesses worldwide with business growth, sales, and marketing. She has more than 40 years of business experience, but doesn't look uh, look that old at all. And she's encompassed the work with more than 5,000 business owners, entrepreneurs in many industries and professions. She is also a best-selling author of a dozen books, has her own radio and TV show, and is also a keynote speaker. Dr. Levine, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S., and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. So, Dr. Levine, I always like to find out kind of people's backgrounds. And, you know, we have a lot of successful entrepreneurs on this podcast. And the audience always is curious, like, what is your background like when you were growing up? Did you know, yes, I'm going to be an entrepreneur? Uh, Did you show some of those signs? Were you out there selling newspapers? What was your background and upbringing like? And how do you think that affected the entrepreneur that you became? Well, that's a fascinating question. So, I grew up in Yonkers, New York, and I actually grew up really, really poor, but I didn't know we were poor. I thought everybody had what I had. Um, I wanted to be an actress when I was a young girl. I always wanted to be an actress, and I did do acting as part of my journey. However, my father was in sales, and I was a Girl Scout troop member. I sold the most Girl Scout cookies in all of New York State, okay, which is a pretty tall order. And when I was asked, well, how did you do that? I'm like, well, my father just told me, just keep asking, just keep asking. <laughs> That's what I did. So I think he, he prepared me a little for the entrepreneurial journey. And the other piece is I wrote a letter to Santa when I was age seven. And it was published in the newspaper. And my teacher said to me, you are going to be an author someday. So I think that a lot of this did start with my childhood. That is a remarkable story, Dr. Levine. So, so when you're ki- if you have kids, it sounds like it's a good idea to have them go out there and learn how to sell things. And again, it always baffles me that in school, sales is not widely taught. It's not taught at university. It's not taught in high school. And yet as a young, you know, budding entrepreneur, you're out there knocking doors and selling Girl Scout cookies. And now you, you are the leader in the state of New York. That's, that's unbelievable. I mean, that had to have been out of a million, couple million plus girls that you uh, that you led the state. Yeah. And the truth is, this is why it was a great experience. I was really scared. I remember, you know, the first couple of doors I knocked on with my uniform and my cookies. I was really scared. And then when I got a pretty good response and some people were like, sure, we'll buy cookies. All of a sudden, I got very confident. I was like, oh, everybody's going to buy cookies. And I changed my attitude. I became very conscious of that. Like, I don't feel scared of doing this anymore. And then, yes, people said yes. People said yes. I think it was the best training I ever had. 
hundred percent. And so for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially as they're getting started, they suffer from imposter syndrome and getting that confidence. And obviously as an expert that you are, how can young entrepreneurs, and, and it doesn't matter what your age is, if you're a new entrepreneur, we all kind of go through that. How do you get through that and gain that confidence so that you can go out there and sell? Because every new entrepreneur has to sell. Uh, we have to sell. And if you are confident in the products or services that you're providing, it's much easier to sell, right? If you don't have confidence in your results that your products and services bring, I always say to people, sell something else, okay? Because sell something you truly believe in and that you know you can get results with. And I never pay attention to a no. This is how I view a no. A no is Leo comes to my house and I say, Leo, do you want some lemonade? And he says, no, thank you. I don't go, oh my gosh, Leo doesn't like me. Leo doesn't like my lemonade. I don't take it personal. Maybe he's not thirsty. Maybe he doesn't like lemonade. Then I recommend that you take sales in just the same way. Somebody says no, big deal. Ask the next person. There's plenty of people that need what you have. And if you're not sharing it, you're being selfish. Amen. So step one, make sure you're a product of your product. If you don't believe in your product and service, how can you ask somebody else to? So that's the first thing you've got to believe. And then step two, the no is all part of the process. Don't let the no bother you. Keep knocking doors, find a product or service that fits the client, keep knocking on doors. Exactly. And you know, no is, is just a word. It's, it's us as human beings that make a lot of judgment around the word. It's a word means nothing, doesn't hurt you, didn't insult you, it's a no. Okay, awesome. no gets me closer to somebody else who wants what I have. So for 40 years, you've been in the entrepreneurial pursuits. Tell us about your first you know, business that you started uh, you know, maybe out, outside of school, after school. What was kind of that first uh, business that you launched? And you're like, wow, there's something here and you were hooked and you were gonna be an entrepreneur for life. What was that experience like? It's sort of funny when I look back on it, I was babysitting, I don't know if I was 13 or 12 or whatever, and I was sitting with the kids I was babysitting and they just gone to bed and I thought, silly, I'm sitting here for hours while they're sleeping, nothing ever happens until their parents come home, and I thought, sure, if I could pay somebody else to sit here, I'll take the $15 they're paying me, I'll pay someone 5 or $6 and I'll keep the rest. And then I could work with a lot of people. And, and I started to have this whole vision of it. So somewhere at that young age, I started to see that there was an opportunity for multiplication and duplication as, as an entrepreneur. You're like the first uh, Babysitter's Club uh, book, which, wow. That, so maybe that, maybe that uh, whole book series was based off of you. So at that young age, you're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to grow and scale this and, and we're going to use my time more wisely so I can train people up and I'll get the, wow, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Where did you get that from? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I can remember to this day though, sitting in the person's house and thinking, there's gotta be a better way to use my time. Well, somebody else can sit here. It doesn't have to be me, but I got the client. So that's worth more money to me. And now somebody else can take a little less just to sit here and Often first, I'll put the kids to bed and yeah, then the rest of the night, I don't want to be here. Um, and I remember telling my parents, my father, because he was so entrepreneurial, thought it was a great idea. My mother's like, that's not going to work. People's kids are going to get hurt. You're going to be responsible. Try it. We'll see what happens. Great story. So, 
So one of the things that you focus on at Heartrepreneur, and, and tell us maybe a little bit about how that started, but uh, there's a big focus on getting qualified leads and deals. And that's a big focus of what, what Heartrepreneur does. But tell us a little bit more about kind of, you know, what your inspiration was for starting Heartrepreneur and what the mission is. Thanks for asking that. So I started in business consulting about 27 years ago. And my company was not called Heartrepreneur. However, I was teaching people how to do sales and marketing heart to heart, authentically, transparently, and in integrity. No overcoming objections, no NLP, really just heart to heart. So about 12 years ago, I was with one of my publishers, the train from Philly to New York, we're having a meeting. He took the manuscript I was working on, I'll never forget it, he threw it on the floor and he was at a want desk. And I thought, a contract, what do you mean? And he said, I've known you for more than a decade. I don't want this book. I want a book on Heartrepreneur. And I went, heart for what? And he said, it's how you do business. You have this formula of heart to heart. Go figure it out. That's the book I want. And taking the train back home, I had one of those, I could have had a V8 moments. Like, oh my gosh, that is what I do. By the time the next day rolled around, I had an attorney. We were trademarking the term Heartrepreneur or branding logo, change the company name, because what we do is help people get a conveyor belt of qualified prospects and then convert them without traditional selling and then retain them long-term. And I think the word heartrepreneur really fits. We have about 6,000 people in our Facebook group that are all embracing the methodology. So explain what does this mean, this heart-to-heart in business consulting what does it mean? And, and, and so you don't have to do traditional sales because of that approach. Why is that? So I want you to think of this term, reverse marketing, reverse marketing. What most people are doing is they're messaging people, they're advertising, they're just trying to get us to pay attention. And at Heartrepreneur, we do the opposite. We just go in and we create a lot of value. We create a consumer awareness guide and we create something called a turbocharged webinar. Just those two pieces of content, nothing else. And then we start a Facebook group and we share our content in the Facebook group with our exact target audience. And don't tell me your audience isn't on Facebook. I hear that all day long. They are. And so we start a Facebook group and we just drop in massive, massive amounts of health and advice and content, regardless of the industry you're in. And the people in the group raise their hand and say, how do I get your products? How do I get your services? Instead of you asking them. And that's how you do business authentically. I don't let anyone buy from us that we haven't formed some kind of a relationship with. Go watch my webinar, go read my consumer awareness guide, go to my heart entrepreneurs Facebook group. And then if you resonate, then get my products or services. That's the difference. Unbelievable. And so really, it sounds like the focus, and you see this even with multi-billion dollar businesses where everything that they're pitching and promoting is about them instead of what their customer wants, instead of the problem that it's solving for the client. And so it sounds like what you're doing is presenting, here's the result you want, let me help you go get it. And then you're actually providing that value before actually even trying to sell anything, what is the key to providing that value and, and how do you break that down or unpack that 
you know, in whatever business that you're in. So you really want to give away your best stuff. And I've said this for years and a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to give that away. I'm like, I give away everything. I'm an open book. And at this point, we've had 6,000 plus client family members because I believe in abundance. I don't hold things. I think that's selfish. I give away some of my best content. I just did a Facebook Live in my group, gave away some of my top content. What happens as a result is people still raise their hands and say, okay, but how do I implement it? Oh, that's where business control comes in. So whatever your product or service is, think about what if I gave you samples? What if you tried it on? I'll tell you where this comes from, Leo. When I was, I think, 16, I worked in Baskin Robbins ice cream store. And I remember the first day being trained there, manager gave me a little pink spoon and said, give pink spoons all day long of ice cream. And I go, well, what if somebody wants to try like, you know, every flavor? He said, that's great. The more flavors, the better. They never walk out without buying. I thought, yeah, right. I worked there for about four months and he was right. Anybody who tried some flavor of something bought. And I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do in my business. In fact, I have a pink spoon hanging on my wall. I literally just got pink spoons. And that's what I recommend to all the listeners. What can you give away that is perceived high value for your target audience? And so what is it entrepreneurs and business owners are missing when they're trying to, at the beginning, pitch their high ticket items or their high value items, and they're just confused. Why are people not buying? There's so much value in my high ticket item, but they kind of jump right into that. What is it they need to understand that maybe they're not? Because I've, I've been there, but I've been there, by the way. I can tell. Um, so the first thing I'll say is it's never about you. If you are using words like I, me, we, my company, then you're making this all about you. I don't use those words. The words that we use are, tell me what's up for you. Tell me what your ideal vision is. Tell me what's not quite right yet. Tell me what you'd like to see. Tell me what kind of help you want. Tell me what you would want from the product or service. And all we do is we listen. We don't have a pitch. We don't overcome objections. We don't do any of that. We simply really care and we really listen. If and only if our product or service is the answer, then we ask for permission to share. And I'm going to say this. One of the big issues that I see is many people are lookalikes. They're cookie cutters. So if everyone looks the same, I'm going to buy the cheapest service because they're all the same. You have to stand alone. We stand alone. We have a 200% return on investment guarantee or we give you all your money back plus pay you $5,000. So if at the end of a conversation, we say, you know, we think we can help you. Would you like our help? And someone says, Joe Schmo can do it for a lot less money. We'll say, you know what? That's great. Does Joe Schmo have that same guarantee that we talked about? Uh, well, no. Okay. Well, it's really up to you. Whatever you want to do, we're here. We're willing to accept you if you would like to embrace us. That's simple. We don't follow up. We don't chase them. We don't hunt them down. Different. Way different. And the thing that uh, it, it's that's attracting me is you're asking them the questions. It's not you presenting. And I see this all the time that people are always selling, selling, selling. But what you should be doing is asking the right questions. How important is understanding the right questions to ask? And how can that kind of replace a sales presentation to a certain extent? I think it does replace the sales presentation. I've done sales training for large corporations like General Electric. 
and I taught them my five question framework and they were so skeptical. And one of the divisions that actually implemented went from 63rd division in the company to number three within a few months. And then the whole company was sold, but this was what to use. I think this changes everything. The conversations that I have when someone is pitching me, there's a slide deck and it's all about them and how wonderful they are. And they don't really come off as caring about me. We truly, as entrepreneurs, we truly care. We care. You matter. We have no idea if our product or services is fit. We do not know. And we're not going to even let you try it if we're not sure. So we want to know about you. The more you listen, I know salespeople are taught this. They just don't do it. <laughs> the more you listen and the less you talk, but I mean really listen. What's underneath the words? And you really ask yourself, really with authenticity, can we help them? If they invest in my product or service, will it make a difference? If the answer is yes, I think you're obligated to extend your hand to make an offer. Absolutely. We have two ears for a reason so that we can listen more. And the problem that a lot of salespeople have is they're listening with you know, the intent to respond instead of to understand. And the funny thing is when you ask the right questions, people will tell you what they want and what they're looking to accomplish. So what are the results that Heartrepreneur you know, promises or the result that you work so hard and so passionately to help your clients achieve? And who's kind of a good fit for Heartrepreneur? What are the what are the dream clients you guys like to work with, and, and what are they what are those people looking for? Thanks for asking. Well, results can be absolutely huge. I and mean, I have a client family member who was doing around fifty thousand dollars a year, and in April she did one hundred and seven thousand dollars after just a few months with Heartrepreneur by stopping what she was doing, selling, advertising, in your face marketing. Another client family member who really was starting your business at the worst time. She was starting the month that the shutdown started with the pandemic. She made $258 that month and she had an office and staff and she came to me and she's done over $378,000. And then I have people that are startups and quickly go to 68,000. So all of the income is there if you follow what we share, right? Which is just being authentic and how to do that. I love, and my team loves to work with people who are passionate about whatever it is that they sell. They stand behind it, guarantee it, they know it's top notch. I love to work with people who are open and curious and who come to me and want my help, who don't think they know it all. If they know it all, let them go keep doing what they're doing on their own, good luck. And people who have a sense of humor. Business can be cyclical. You know, something can be amazing today. You know, we've seen Facebook ads. They were working and then iOS 14 and I, I hear all day they're not working, right? You have to have kind of an arsenal of tools. And that's what I'm looking for, people who are open. So you're a business owner. You've got a product or service that you really believe in, that you know gives your client the result, but you're struggling to generate leads. How do you help that business owner fix their marketing and get back to generating quality leads. So let me give you a, a teach by example. This will be very helpful. So I have a client family member. He's in the financial services field. His income, it wasn't horrible, except it was very stagnant and he just couldn't figure out how to make it grow. So we created a consumer awareness guide that really educated people about the different kinds of financial advisors that you can hire. The ones to stay away from, the misconceptions, the truth. It wasn't promoting him. It was truly about the industry. 
And we started giving that guide away everywhere. His email list grew from about 1,000 to about 5,000 pretty quickly. From that email list that he had, we put together a live webinar where he was going to answer their questions and then train them. He had 100 people sign up. I think he had uh, about 61 people show up at the webinar. Out of the 61, 16 of those booked a qualification call with him and his team. Of those, six became high-ticket client family members at $29,000 a person. That is how. And and you don't have to have that high of a ticket. It could be $3,000. It could be $1,500. It doesn't really matter. That's how you do it. Mm, Outstanding. So a lot of value creating that, uh, that value bomb. In this case, it was education. And how many businesses and business owners out there are missing the importance of educating their clients, their customer, and why do you think that is? I think that people go into business, like I did, without a background in business sales and marketing, right? On my first degree, I was a speech-language pathologist. I started my first clinic, and oh my gosh, I didn't have an idea how to get a client or a patient. And to the day, I was almost starving. I hadn't figured it out, and then I just got really serious about it. So I think that's number one. We don't know what we don't know. Number two is... There's this old school marketing and advertising that I call in your face. You know, people go to networking groups and they shove a business card in your hand. You didn't ask for it. You don't want it. You're going to go home and throw it away. So it's changing your way of thinking and how you do business. And it's taking the focus off of you, your company and your business, and really standing empathetically in the shoes of the people who need what you have. There are people out there, I really believe this. For everyone's business that are sitting there with a credit card in hand saying, I wish someone would answer my prayers. And I believe it's your responsibility to show up and do that. So the biggest shift, the biggest transformation is the education of taking the focus off of marketing people and starting to help people and offer what you have as a way for them to get whatever it is they're looking for in their business, their life, their relationship, their health, whatever it might be. Outstanding. So as someone who's built a lot of communities, a lot of audiences over the years, what are some of the keys? Because right now we're kind of talking about uh, growing. How do you grow at scale? How do you build that community, that audience, and have a brand like Heartpreneur that really starts to make a difference and make a big impact because, because it's growing? So I'm all about scaling. Um, this is my eighth multi-million dollar business. And in my second business, I figured out scale. My first business, I didn't have a clue. I got lucky. Somebody came in and bought it for a lot of money. I started my second business and I got very smart in my second business. And then I've just taken the formula. I want to put out the difference for people between owning a business and owning a company. Okay, A business is you trading time for money. You never have a way to exit it. You can't pass it on to your kids as a legacy. It's certainly not going to be a dynasty of wealth. A company runs without you. It doesn't need you. You might be the visionary. You might be the the face of it. Bill Gates could step away. Steve Jobs stepped away, whether he wanted to or not. And the businesses run without you. If the business is your face and your name and you're the brand and you've got to get in it every day and trade time for dollars, you do not have a sustainable, leverageable asset. 
So from day one, I like to work with a business owner and have them move out of the seat of being the, the business owner to being the CEO of a company. In fact, I say to people, if someone asks you, what do you do? And they go, I say, I'm a chiropractor, I'm a consultant. I'll say, mm -mm. I'm the CEO of my consulting company. I'm the CEO of my dental organization. And you're like, what? I'm like, right. You have to start sitting in a different chair. You have to start looking at the tasks that you're doing. You have to file those papers. You have to create that PDF. Use your brilliance in the areas that aren't delegate. Then create a community. And I don't care where you do it. LinkedIn, Facebook, Clubhouse. I really don't care. You need a place where your tribe, sort of speak, can come together, hang out, get value from you and your organization. Again, it's a company. If Terry wasn't in there, I've got a whole team of consultants that can be in there. And so you've got to create kind of a way for them to recognize each other and speak to each other. I, I love being in my community. I did a live today and they're all tagging each other and talking to each other. Oh, you're a heart entrepreneur. You're a heart entrepreneur. I'm not promoting the brand. My client family members go and promote the brand now. That's what I want for everyone listening. Dr. Levine, one of the key things you talk about there is that engagement because we can build things, we can have a community and audience, but if we don't have engagement, if there aren't people that are really touched, that are moving, that are implementing what we're teaching, then we don't have the valuable community that we want. So how do you promote and, and get that engagement and, and what is that process like? And is it something daily that you do? Is it weekly? How often do you have to be doing something to get that engagement? So I have a formula for this and I'm happy to share it. I use one social media platform. I'm very transparent about this. Yes, I'm on other platforms. It's not me. I tell people upfront, my team navigates all the other platforms. I pick one. Facebook is my platform of choice. So on Facebook, I literally set a timer for 20 minutes a day, Monday through Friday, 20 minutes, because like when I do a Google search, Facebook can suck me in, okay? I also use newsfeed killer. So I don't see everybody's newsfeed of who wants to give a cat away and all that stuff. I'm very intentional. I speak pretty much in two other people's communities and I go into their groups and I see if I can create any content, value, comment on a post, help someone. So I go in quickly to two groups, can I help? The rest of the time is spent in my own group. I am tagging people, I'm answering questions, I'm asking questions, I'm posting content, I'm giving away value, I'm doing a Facebook Live, which may go to 30 minutes. And so by doing that, I'm also encouraging my members to invite other members because the group has traction. And I'm going to give you a little secret here, Leah. In order to get your groups going in the beginning, people ask me all the time, like, I have a group, nobody's talking. Go ask five or six people that know you, like you, and trust you. Go ask them to just go into the group every single day and start to drop a comment or two. Facebook sees that a group's getting comments and Facebook starts to put that group in front of people. And that's how you grow a Facebook group. You don't need to do ads or anything like that. Brilliant. And Dr. Levine, compared to all the other apps out there and platforms that you can use, why do you believe the Facebook group is the most powerful? Because I definitely believe that. I've seen it in action in the last couple of months. But tell me you know, what, what your belief is with that. 
So regardless of what you think about Facebook, like it, hate it, you know, love-hate relationship, Facebook is the giant player, whether you like it or not, right? They own Instagram, they own WhatsApp, they're trying to buy two other platforms, and they may, they may start a third one, who knows? Um, people spend an average of 30 minutes a day, seven days a week on Facebook. On the other platforms, they spend an average of three minutes a day. Uh-oh, ding, 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 everybody. If you're listening, you might want to pause and replay that. I'm going to be where people's eyeballs are. You want to interrupt people and get their attention. I'm not going to want to sit in a closed room talking to myself. I want to sit where I have eyeballs. That's Facebook. And so you may like Twitter. You may like LinkedIn, whatever. That's all great. Go use those if they're working for you. I'm just going to tell you that the bulk of people, regardless of what they say, are still on Facebook. The platform works. I'm a part of groups that have 36,000 members, 15,000 members, and all of us are doing the majority of our business from our Facebook groups without selling. So powerful. Yeah. If you want to create a community and audience, Facebook groups is the way to go. And everybody who's listening now is thinking, wow, you know, Dr. Levine has dropped so many value bombs on us. How can I work with her and her team? How can I grow my business through Heartpreneur and start doing sales and marketing right? So I'll give you two options. Um, I put together a masterclass. It is completely free. And it is on TL, like Terry Levine, TLwebinar.com. And when you go there, get a notebook or have a Word doc open because there is a massive amount of free training there that gives you my process for creating a conveyor belt of qualified prospects. And then the second thing is I do recommend that you jump into our Facebook group, Heart Entrepreneurs with Terry Levine, and just model how is that community working. And if you like what you see and you're interested, let me know. I'd be happy to set up uh, an appointment with my team just to see if we can help you overcome your biggest challenge. All right, everybody. So that was tlwebinar.com. T is in Terry, L is in Levine, webinar.com. And she teaches you how to create a conveyor belt of qualified leads itching to pay you what you're worth without spending a dime on marketing or advertising. So that's an amazing workshop you're going to want to check out. And then uh, the Facebook group, tell me the name of that one again. Heartrepreneurs with an F, Heartrepreneurs with Terry Levine. Okay, Heartrepreneurs with Terry Levine. Uh, and it's the group, guys. So, and it has a, it has a heart <laughs> there. So you can't, uh, can't miss it. Surprise. And there's a ton of value in the group. So I do advise as soon as you get into the group, go right to the file section. There's lots of freebies, done-for-you resources, tools, tips, checklists, templates, all there for you. And you'll see how we give away value just the way I've been telling you. <laughs> Outstanding. It looks like, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it looks like I'm going to join the group uh, right now. So join the group and ask not what the group can do for you, but what you can do for the group. And then you'll start getting the right ideology to serve your clients. Brilliant. That's it, Leo. All right. Well, Terry, the, the last uh, word is with you. Thank you so much for being a guest and sharing such amazing stories and value with our community audience. I'm sure a lot of people want to replay this because there, there's that type of value in it. But what's the last word after understanding all this that people should do right now? 
right now, the biggest thing that you can do is get really excited about listening. Not talking anymore, listening. Really finding out what does my audience want? What's the result they want? What's the object they want? Maybe you have not been presenting them with what they want. Start listening. Start asking Amen. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Terry Levine, for being on and being an amazing guest. Guys, again, it's heartrepreneur.com. It's tlwebinar.com is the workshop. And then it's Heartrepreneurs by Terry Levine is the Facebook group. Is that right? With Terry Levine. Heartrepreneurs with Terry Levine on Facebook. Join the group because that's where you can learn. You can kind of sit back there and just learn from her and all the amazing people in that group how to respond, how to bring value. And that's how we learn. We ask the right questions. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.